Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, please stay tuned. As always, we have a show of 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, and it's always done without any manipulation. No gimmicks, no games, not asking for money, not trying to get you to join up, fess up, give it up, nothing like that. This show is simply about giving you accurate information. We do it every Sunday here on this radio station, accurate information. That information is designed to help you verify as well as identify God's plan for your life. And if you can do that, if you'd like to do that, you have the freedom, you have the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But my job as the host of the Flatline is to get it accurate, give it to you correctly, not to mix it up, not to play emotions into it, but to simply tell you what the Bible says. And that's what we've been doing for over 500 Sundays across the United States here. The Flotline, F-L-O-T, is the name of our show, and sometimes it's important that we go back and remind you about that. F-L-O-T. And some people say, well, what is a Flotline? That's a military term. It's a military acronym for the Forward Line of Troops, F-L-O-T. And we use that military analogy to explain how the Christian life works. That's not unusual. You may think it is, but in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses a military metaphor to put on the armor of God. And he describes a Roman soldier and what he wears. And, and he uh, relates that to the Christian life and how we also should put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, pick up the shield of faith, military metaphor. Well, we're using that on the flat line. Flatline, we're talking about 10 unique problem-solving devices that were taught by my pastor many years ago. And when you learn these 10 unique problem-solving devices, you can use them as a protective line in your soul, a flatline, a forward line of troops. And what that is designed to do is to pick up the adversity that comes into your life. Any adversity that comes into your life, whether it's weather-related adversity, whether it's social adversity, whether it's self-induced adversity, any adversity that comes into your life, if you have a well-maintained flat line, then you can stop it from becoming stress in your soul. So what we have said in this show all along is adversity is inevitable. However, stress is always optional. Adversity is what circumstances do to you, sometimes self-induced, but stress is what you do to yourself. When you let adversity overrun the command post of your soul, and you say, well, what is the command post of my soul? That's your thinking, that's your mentality, that's your, that's your mind. And that's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible all the time implores us to think like Christ thought. And you may wonder, well, how did he think? Well, first of all, Philippians 2, 6, 7, 8, 9 says he thought in terms of humility. 
not arrogance, but humility. And then if you go to what Paul wrote in Romans in chapter, oh, I don't know, maybe Romans chapter 8, chapter 9, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, he said in Philippians. And then in Romans, stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance, but think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. That's right. We are designed as Christians to think like Christ thought. And we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us the New Testament is the mind of Christ. So when we learn God's word, we begin to think like Christ thought in terms of humility. One of the things that means is that we never react to circumstances. We always respond to circumstances. You can react with emotion. You can respond by thinking. Thinking in terms of humility, emoting in terms of arrogance. So if you get emotional, you're going to get arrogant. You're going to seek revenge. You're going to be angry. You're going to be motivated to have some sort of vindictive, bitter, emotional feelings. But if you respond with humility, then in regards to some sort of people test, you can always forgive and forget. That's right, forgive and forget. And it goes into any area of life. And so if you have a well-maintained flight line, if you know those 10 problem-solving devices and use them, then you can stop the adversity before it ever becomes stress in your, in your, in your, in your, in your life. What a wonderful, wonderful way to think. And that's why we have those 10 unique problem-solving devices. There's nothing new. This has been in the Bible ever since it was recorded by the apostles. These problem-solving devices are not something that we coined up. They're not something new. These are old biblical doctrines that have always been in the Word of God. For example, what is problem-solving device number one? Well, before I tell you, remember this, that the Christian life is a supernatural life. You cannot live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. The Christian life cannot be lived by an unbeliever. A person that is not a Christian cannot live the Christian life. A person that's not a Christian can be nice. A person that's not a Christian can be humble. A person that's not a Christian can be fair, but he is not a Christian, and he cannot live the Christian life. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that a Christian has three parts to him. He has a body, he has a soul, and he has a human spirit. A person that is not a Christian has a body, and he has a soul, but he has no human spirit. He's dead spiritually, spiritually dead. That's why the Bible says we have to be born again. Our human spirit that was identified with Adam's original sin, we are born spiritually dead. When we believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as our Savior, we are made spiritually alive. God the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and dwells you in your human spirit, and you are spiritually alive. Now you can have fellowship with God. 
because the Bible says those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you don't have a spirit, how could you do that? So the supernatural life is God the Holy Spirit living inside of your human spirit, allowing you to have a day-by-day, moment-by-moment personal relationship with God the Father by means of God the Holy Spirit. So problem-solving device number one is what we do when we break fellowship with God, not break the relationship. You will never break the relationship. Once you enter into the royal family of God by means of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you are born again, you are made three parts, body, soul, and human spirit. When you sin, you don't die again and have to be born again. That's not the way it works. Jesus Christ said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish, and neither shall anybody ever pluck them out of my Father's hand. What happens when we sin is we don't break that relationship, we break fellowship. And thus we have to be restored to fellowship. And that's because the old sin nature has taken control of our lives. And God the Holy Spirit has been quenched. God the Holy Spirit has been grieved. And thus we have to use the first problem-solving device. And that problem-solving device is what we call rebound, a a phrase that my pastor coined many, many years ago. Rebound simply means this. When you bounce out of fellowship with God because if you've committed personal sin, then you bounce back into fellowship. The passage that we use in the Old Testament is Psalm 32, 4 and 5, or in the New Testament, 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 simply says this. If we confess our sin, notice it's conditional, if. If we confess our sin then he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As a Christian, you still have a sinful nature. And as a Christian, you have a propensity to sin. Maybe not in the same area as me, because maybe you don't have the same weaknesses that I have. But when you sin or when I sin, we both must go to God the Father and admit the sin. Sin can be something we think, Sin can be something we say, or sin can be something that we do. It can even be something that we don't do. To him that knoweth to doeth good and doeth it not, to him it is sin, the Bible says. Yes, we can sin by not doing what we know is right, because we've disobeyed the will of God. So, if I sin, I break fellowship with God. If I go to God and admit my sin, if I name my sin to God in a rebound prayer, if we confess our sin, then God said he's faithful and just to forgive me. So every time I name a sin to God, I'm back in fellowship. The flot line will not work. The flot line will not protect you if problem-solving device number one is not in place. You can't use the others. They're all united together, and the power of God the Holy Spirit is essential. And so you cannot function in the Christian life as long as the Holy Spirit is quenched, as long as the Holy Spirit is grieved, or 
what I'm saying is, as long as there's unconfessed sin in your life. Now, somebody says, I can't keep up with every sin I do. That's impossible. You're exactly right. And remember what the verse says. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All, A-L-L, even the ones you don't remember. Isn't that neat? You go to God, you admit the sin you're aware of, he will even cleanse you and forgive you of the ones you don't remember. And you don't do this when you go to bed at night. Don't wait until you go to bed at night. If you send at 8 o'clock in the morning and waited till 10 o'clock at night to confess your sin, then you lived all day long out of fellowship and you're going to sleep in fellowship. That's crazy. If you're going to name your sin, name it right immediately when you do it. If you lose your temper, step aside and admit it to God. If you lie, step aside and admit it to God. Whenever you do it, admit it to God. He is aware of it because as soon as you commit a sin, just that very moment, that's the moment the old sin nature takes over, and that's the moment you're out of fellowship with God. And that's the moment the flock line shuts down, the 10 problem-solving devices won't work, and you are stranded on an island, just you and your old sin nature. And that may be what you want. Maybe you want to feel angry. Maybe you like to feel sorry for yourself. Maybe you like to hold a grudge. Maybe you like feeling bitter and seeking some sort of malice towards the person you're angry at. Maybe that's what you want. That's not what God wants for you, and that's not the Christian life. That's guaranteeing you a miserable life because you don't have the ability to orient and adjust by responding with forgiveness. Rebound is problem-solving device number one. It solves the problem of sin. Problem-solving device number two is the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you rebound. When you use problem-solving device number one, then problem-solving device number two kicks in. What problem does the filling of the Holy Spirit solve? It solves the problem of human good. Human good. What, what is human good? Well, human good is the exact opposite of divine good. Human good is something you manufacture through the energy of the flesh. Divine good is something you manufacture under the filling of the Holy Spirit. The difference between human good and divine good may not even be known until the judgment seat of Christ, where all the human good is burned up and called wood, hay, and stubble. It did not glorify God. Human good would be, for example, you giving a tithe or an offering or a financial gift to your church while you are out of fellowship. That means it was not motivated by God the Holy Spirit. It was motivated by your old sin nature, maybe through tradition, maybe through pressure, whatever. But it did not glorify God. It was human good. You did it in the energy of the flesh. You didn't do anything that an unbeliever couldn't do. An unbeliever can give money to a church, too. Only the Christian can live the Christian life. And only when you are filled with the Holy Spirit can you manufacture divine good. 
and only divine good is acceptable and rewardable. Only when you're filled with the Holy Spirit can you maintain your flight line. This is critical. You can't live the Christian life without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you rebound when you are aware of your sins. You got it? Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Christian life is just an exercise in, in morality. And unbelievers can be moral. So get that in your head. Remember that. The third problem-solving device that is essential that we all remember and we all learn and we all don't forget is the importance of faith. The faith rest drill is importance. It's very important for you to operate under faith because without operating under faith, then you can't live the Christian life effectively either. The faith rest drill is a critical, critical doctrine for you to know. It means you're living by faith. You're operating by faith. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, we have been given the Spirit of God so that we may know the things God has provided for us. And the things that God has provided for us are what we're talking about called the flight line. So if you're going to live the Christian life, it can only be lived by faith. That's the power cell in the Christian life. You know, to crack the sound barrier, you got to go really, 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 really fast, excessively fast. But to crack the faith barrier, you have to stand absolutely still. Exodus 14, 13, stand still and watch what God is about to do. That's what Moses told the children of Israel when they came to the Red Sea and the Pharaoh was in hot pursuit and he intended to kill them all and the Red Sea was in front of them and it looked like they were doomed until God parted the Red Sea. God can part the sea for you, not literally, I'm not talking about walking to London, but God can part the sea of adversity for you as well. If you stand still, if you trust him, faith rest is trust. It's a supernatural trust. It's inspired by two things. The supernatural trust of faith comes by, number one, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and number two, the content of God's Word in your life. There are over 7,000 promises recorded in the Bible. Those promises are the fuel for the faith rest life. That's what we use to stand on. There's no work, no movement involved at all. Just believe and trust the Lord. And keep on believing and keep on trusting. Keep on waiting on him. Look, if you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, which is the biggest event in your life, could you not trust him for your needs and the everyday problems and the difficulties that you face in your life? I mean, they're not near as big as your salvation. If he handled your salvation, could he not handle the rest of it? So are there real answers for all the heartaches and all the problems and all the adversities and all the frustrations and the difficulties and the troubles that we have in our life? Are there real answers? And the answer is yes. John 16:33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you'll have difficulty, tribulation, adversity. But be of good cheer. I overcame the world. And he's insinuating that you can overcome it as well. You can use the same problem-solving devices that he used. The Lord Jesus Christ used the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ used the promises of his Father's Word. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 4, where he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil before he began his earthly ministry. And the very way he overcame it is the same way you overcome it, by using the faith rest drill under the filling of the Holy Spirit. Salvation not only means that you're going to go to heaven, but it means this as well, that you now have a new way to live. You now have the ability to stabilize your thinking and to meet every problem and every difficulty with peace and tranquility in your soul. Because it's only when you're in the place of hopelessness, only when you're helpless, that you can really see the extraordinary power and the extraordinary grace of God. When there's no human solution, when you are numb from the shock or the pressure, when you can't even pray like you want to pray because you're, you're so numb, then God the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.26, even intercedes for you in prayer. It's only in the most desperate situation that you can then avail yourself to God's perfect provisions and enter into the perfect peace, the perfect rest that the faith rest drill provides. No fear, no hostility, no anger, no bitterness. That is a supernatural way of living. The world doesn't know that. The world cannot produce that. Only the Christian has that opportunity. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing the provisions that God has given you so that you can live in the devil's world. Rebound, confessing your sin, the faith rest drill, filling of the Holy Spirit. Concerning the faith rest drill, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.2, the word they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. When you learn God's word, you have to trust it. The promises of God's word can only profit you if you mix it with faith. That means you've got to know them and you must believe them. You must know them and you must believe them. Hebrews 4.3, for we who have believed do enter into rest. You know, many Christians spend their whole lives seeking something called happiness. They spend that money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't even like because they're trying to find something that will give them stimulation, satisfaction, something. But the more they search under their own power, the more they walk away from the power that God provided. So, using faith, you can claim a promise from God. You cannot Enter God's rest with unbelief. Hebrews 3.19 tells you that. If there's a verse, you must claim it. Stand on it. Those verses are designed to give you strength. 
They're designed to give you stability. It's a signature guarantee that God will not let you down. So if you can claim a promise from God, what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee, the Bible says. Or no weapon that is formed against you will ever prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. Stand on the promise. Stand on it right on top of it and say, Heavenly Father, you said this and I'm claiming this as mine. You see, people that are not Christians can have some sort of fleeting happiness. They depend on people or circumstances, but they don't have what you have. They don't have this guarantee that every time there's a problem and every time there's a crisis, there is a way out of it. There's a way for you to stand. God has given you his resources. They're yours. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, and you will find rest for your soul. Notice two conditions. Take and learn. You're not going to be able to use a faith rest life if you don't learn the promises. And you're not going to learn the promises if you don't take them, if you don't go after them. That's why I constantly tell you, unless you're sitting under a well-qualified pastor that is teaching you God's Word, you are being short-circuited in your Christian life. You're not getting what God intends for you to get. You don't learn God's Word by singing. You don't learn God's Word by giving money. You learn God's Word by sitting under someone who teaches it to you. It's designed that way. That's why the Bible says that God has equipped men with a gift of pastor-teacher in Ephesians 4.17, so they can study and teach God's Word to you. That's all it takes is just a little bit of time every day learning God's Word and standing on faith, the faith rest drill, an amazing, amazing way to live. Mark Shannon, a pharmacist made in World War II, used it on an island when the Germans began, excuse me, the Japanese began to bomb the island. A tremendous bombardment came in and people were dying. Planes were being blown up, Quonset huts where men were sleeping, hospital barracks blown up as the shells rained down from the Japanese destroyers. Mark Shannon, a Christian, was able to hold it together and find the blood plasma and administer first aid, for which he won an amazing award from the Navy for bravery. When the Admiral decorated him, he asked him, how could you do that, son? How could you risk your life? He said something so amazing. He said, I was scared to death, but when I stuck my head out of that foxhole, I saw a bird, and he was sitting in a tree, and I knew if God could protect that bird, God could protect me. That's faith. That's the faith rest drill. If God can protect a bird, God can protect you. You want to think about that for a little bit? You want to remember that? That's the faith rest drill in action. We only covered three. Filling of the Holy Spirit, rebound, faith rest drill. There's more to review. I hope you'll be back next week. We'll press on with this review. Until then, I'm your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flotline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.